Speaking of is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for supporting Milwaukee PBS. When COVID shut down the world in 2020, our relationship to home changed globally. We were all forced to stay at home in some way, spending more time in distancing and isolation than we had planned. My name is Mariano Avila. You're listening to Speaking Of, a podcast by Milwaukee PBS. In this episode, I'll be talking about home more as an experience than a zip code. With me in the studio are my co-hosts, Alexandria Mack and Scotty Myers. Hey, y'all. Hello. Hey, Mariano. Well, welcome back. It's nice to be here with you guys. Last time we talked about home as it relates to Milwaukee specifically. Today, I want to share a couple of stories about being home since the pandemic. I want to talk about one person in particular. But first, I want to hear from you about how the lockdown affected you. Do you think isolation influenced your mental health in the past two years at all? Mm. We are getting into it. Very huh? early. Um, <laughs> Lexi, you got any thoughts? I think for me, the last two years, and specifically the part where we were at the stay-at-home order was difficult because I was wedding planning. I'm trying to plan a wedding when I don't know what things will be like come August, and everyone's asking me questions. But also, my apartment looks a mess. I don't have a space that I can carve out to be one particular thing. My bedroom is also where I'm working. My living room is where my husband's working, where we're doing gym stuff, where we're trying to host people, but everything is shifted around. He also was cutting hair in the in-between of the like kitchen and living room. It was a struggle. I was just like, this is too much. Like, this is too much happening in this little apartment. In terms of me personally, I don't know if I'm the best self-monitor of my own condition. If we're going to get on this, I'll share that I am 37, single, and I will say as time has gone on and this pandemic has gone through ebbs and flows of seriousness, that I was, some anxiety was creeping in about like, oh man, a lot of time is being closed off for you to date and find a partner in your late 30s. Like time isn't necessarily already on your side. And now there's this hurdle where you like physically meeting someone in a space and you know, you can't do it right now. So, yeah, I got a little confessional there. But yeah. Thanks to both of you for sharing that. I think it's important that we recognize how difficult this time was as individuals, not just say like, oh, it was difficult for everybody, but let me not talk about it. I mean, I'm 94 to 96% an extrovert. I get a lot of energy from being around people. And I don't know what happened in this period of isolation that I am now drained by being around people interesting which is the exact definition of an introvert so i actually i still enjoy people quite a bit i enjoy being around folks i enjoy coming here i look forward to being here and when we do these conversations but i'm tired at the end and i just want to crawl back into my basement office and just like veg for a while and read something you know mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's really flipped my personality in a lot of ways and that was not expected at all do you like introverted mariano or Coming out of this, when you see the tunnel, that you know, oh, that's a good question. Do you suspect that maybe you will find a hybrid between the two, or do you think this is more of a permanent change? I don't know, but I'll tell you this pandemic, Mariano, is way more efficient. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Way more efficient. Nice. Because that's that was how I kept my mental health was dive into work yeah. real hard and get more organized and get more efficient. And, and I did. Or at least I'd like to think I did. And that translated into me enjoying my checklists. Mm. That's so interesting, <laughs> like thinking about it, like who are we when we are forced to just be to ourselves or like whoever lives in our household? Who are the selves we become when we're not out in the world every single day? 
to your point, Scotty, I've had to do like every event, like every major event during this pandemic. I had a <laughs> wedding. Work. We yeah. had my grandpa's funeral. We had my baby shower. I bought a house. It's just been experiencing all these major moments and like having that conflict of, okay, well, how do we kind of do this? Yeah. I think the whole city had that conflict when the Milwaukee Bucks won the championship. No, absolutely. And we were so hungry for this communion, for this community to come together. And sure enough, for the first time in 50 years, the Milwaukee Bucks won. And we flooded the streets to come together and celebrate in this parade that was both beautiful, but also I think many of us, myself included, had this sort of inner tension about like, should we be doing this? But I can't help myself. I just love my city so much. I have to be out there with them. <laughs> and I think a lot of people had that conflict with just like picking and choosing what are the events that I'm willing to risk for? Who are the people I'm willing to take a risk for? And I feel yeah. like that's the hardest part of okay, I'm, you're worth the risk. This is worth the risk. You know, like you're signing a waiver, like, okay, by me entering your wedding, I am signing up. Like, if I get sick, I will not blame you. That's the hard part. Yeah. I, I feel like that's it. But I think we can agree that this pandemic has been a disruption that we've shared globally. I feel like everyone living today, we'll all be able to talk to others around the world many years from now and say, remember what it was like during the pandemic. And we'll have personal stories to share, something in common. And it turns out, actually, that there are certain global trends around mental health during COVID. So I reached out to arguably the world's top expert on the matter because there's not a lot of studies on this, and this guy did it. So my name is Damien Sinamoro. I'm the senior scientist at the Queensland Centre for Mental Health Research. And my team is responsible for modelling the prevalence and burden of mental disorders all around the world as part of the Global Burden of Disease Study. Damien Santamaro and his team in Queensland, Australia, did a broad study on mental health during the pandemic, scouring over 5,000 publications and whittling them down to the few that met their strict methods and their criteria. For example, studies that use things like Facebook polls got knocked out. And they looked at two mental health conditions in particular with really mind-blowing results. So when you're talking about numbers, it's 53 million additional cases of major depressive disorder and 76 million additional cases of anxiety disorder. What they also found is that the most affected groups were women and young people, with the obvious intersection, of young women getting hit the hardest. Even before the pandemic, we already see that females are, have a higher prevalence of these disorders than males. But the actual increase itself was also greater. The magnitude of increase was greater. So if anything, it's actually made that gender gap even greater. If you read the study, you keep reading that there is a higher prevalence of burden. And at first you think it's just a way of talking about stress. But the more it comes up, the more you realize it's actually a technical term. So we quantify health burden using this metric called the Disability Adjusted Life Year. Disability Adjusted Life Year. They call them dollies for short. So what's that? It's how many years of healthy life has this disorder taken from you? The scale is zero to one. Zero being healthy, happy, you know, baby. And one being you're dead. If you can, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what it is. If you get a 0.5, for example, it means that for every year you live with this condition, you've lost about six months of healthy lifespan. We estimated that if the pandemic hadn't hit, the major depressive disorder globally would have been responsible for 38.7 million dollars. That's 38.7 million years of healthy life lost. So that's a staggering number in my opinion, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, nearly 40 million years of life lost globally to depression and anxiety. But this is pre-COVID. 
And then we estimated that the pandemic was responsible specifically for 10.7 million additional healthy years of life lost. So overall, that's that's 49.4 million. That's nearly 50 million years of healthy life lost due to major depressive disorder in 2020. Now let's add anxiety's pre-COVID 35.5 million years and an additional 9 million totaling 44.5 million years. So if you need just one number, that's 94 million years of human life lost to anxiety and depression. Want to hear something even crazier though? A limitation of the way we model mental disorders in the global burden of disease study is that we don't attribute, for example, self-harm deaths to mental disorders. What he's saying is suicides are considered injury deaths, so dollies don't cover them. What's more, the two indicators of increased burden, remember that word? The indicators of burden were higher infection rates and mobility, which they got from, among other things, anonymized cell phone data. How many people were moving around during the pandemic? But that data requires a robust cellular network, which means only rich nations like the US or Australia, England were included. Now let's revisit that number, 90 million years of human life evaporated during 2020 due to that pandemic as a result of anxiety and depression, but only in wealthy countries and not including suicides at all. So imagine adding poor countries and suicides, as well as other mental health issues, not just those two. If you're struggling to grapple with this like almighty number of 90 million years of human life, think of this If you stack them backwards, 90 million years would put us back in the Cretaceous period with like giant dinosaurs like Brachiosaurus and Argentinosaurus. But it would also put our entire solar system on the other side of the galaxy because the whole galaxy is in orbit around a black hole in the middle of the Milky Way. First of all, I am impressed by your pronunciation of these dinosaur species. Well, (laughs) I have a (laughs) five-year-old. But no, this is staggering. It boggles the mind. I, yeah. I can't hand, grapple the heart. I'm left wondering, like, does it mean the next great engineer, she's not going to create that invention? Does it mean that we're going to see less people entering the medical field to handle this? Does it mean that the next great leader isn't going to emerge and democracies will continue? Like, what is it when we have so much, like, illness and loss of life? What does humanity lose? And a lot of our systems that we have here in the U.S., even though we are one of the wealthier nations, it doesn't pour back into the people to lessen that burden. So if you're someone that is struggling with mental health, it can be those small moments of like, oh, my, you know, my health care provider isn't really hearing me when I'm saying like this is what I'm experiencing or your bills are piling up and there's no relief. I mean, especially if you think of like middle class families where there's very few escapes or assistance that people are eligible for. So, yeah, this This was a lot. I also promised that we'd go inward, and I want to introduce our listeners to Chris Hayes. We all know him. Chris Hayes. Chris Hayes. (laughs) He's the content director here at Milwaukee PBS, meaning he supervises the creation of all of our local shows, including this one. Chris comes from Amarillo, Texas, where he managed the local PBS station. Then he went to PBS in Albany, New York, before moving to Milwaukee in the fall of 2019, just months before the pandemic. And of all the people that I know, Chris had the strictest shelter-in-place standard. He still has most of his groceries delivered. He doesn't eat out. He works remotely for the most part. And yet he's pretty creative and fun. He helped develop this podcast idea into what it is now, helped me develop a single story into the station's American Dreams initiative. So overall, 
His is a story of resilience, in my opinion. Keep that in mind, because what I asked him to talk about are the challenges of isolation and his strategies for dealing with them. So he actually graciously agreed to let me visit him in his apartment in the historic Third Ward in Milwaukee, where Chris was already hard at work on his favorite pandemic activity. Several years ago, I moved back home to take care of my family, you know, much older parents and a brother 17 years older, and all were in various stages of basically dying. And I was a full-time caretaker for about three, three and a half years. And, and in that time, I was home and I didn't quite know what to do with myself. So I, I thought, well, I'll learn to cook. Chris not only learned to cook, he also went vegan just to make cooking a little bit more interesting. And you'd think that would be enough of a challenge to keep his recipes simple, right? My meals are big and complicated, you know, four or five course meals, everything from scratch and completely and totally too involved. Yes, they're involved. And once upon a time, his meals included events for up to 20 people he'd host at his house. These are plated meals where I'm thinking about color, I'm thinking about texture, I'm thinking about flavor, and I'm thinking about the story that I want to tell with it. For this story, he decided to tell the story of a Mexican reporter and his Michigan cherry farmer wife with a cherry-flavored mole, in which he used dried cherries that I gave him a while ago. So for reference, mole is probably the most complex sauce in all of Mexican cuisine with over 40 ingredients on average. Really? He made that thing from scratch. And it's precisely in that complexity that Chris seems to immerse himself to find both a creative outlet and an active distraction from the stresses of work and isolation throughout this pandemic. One of the things that finally came out as Chris was cooking, because I was basically just watching, was his story of moving all over the country. And I discovered that Chris has what I would call historic timing. In 1995, during his freshman year of college at University of Oklahoma, about 15 miles outside of Oklahoma City, on April 18th, he and his friends decided to stay the night with a friend in the city. Turns out we were, I don't know, five, six, seven blocks from the uh, Murrah building when, uh, when, uh, when it blew up. It didn't quite blow up. Two domestic terrorists, right-wing white supremacists Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols, used a truck bomb to blow up the building and killed 168 people and wounded 680. It woke us up. We had no idea, you know, what had happened. We just, you know, it shook the apartment. It, it rattled the windows, and it was like, wow. And that's when we got up and we started driving back to Norman and listening to the radio was when we realized, like, what had happened. Fast forward six years, it's 2001, and Chris moved to New York City to study at St. John's in Queens, which also has a campus in Manhattan. 9-10, we, we went to see it. It was right by the World Trade Center. I mean, it was kind of almost across the street in a way. And that was our first time to, to really be there and, and see the World Trade Center and, and be in that area. And then the next day, you know, they're gone. Quick show note on that point, Mariano and Lexi, that Chris actually told a very powerful video story for 1036 about being in New York on 9-10 and 9-11, and it's very emotional, and it's 
he tells the story and, and elaborates on what he saw and what he went through. And so maybe we can put that in the podcast show notes and direct people there because I do think it's a very powerful emotional story. And that brings us back to his move to Milwaukee, which happened only months before the pandemic shut down the world. It's not been so easy to to have the isolation and, and to have it in a place where you really just don't have that, you know, never had a chance to really build the support system. And, you know, if I were to get sick, you know, and if I couldn't do anything, who's going to help me? You know, who would feed Toby and Julia? Who would uh, bring me vegan not chicken noodle soup, right? If you're wondering who Toby is, it's his dog, and Julia is his cat. A second assist, as it goes, in living alone in this new city. They're so wonderful. I mean, Toby, you know, he's my best friend forever and always. He's always there for me anytime I want and need it. And the, the cat, on the other hand, she lets me know when she wants it, and she lets me know when she doesn't. But... You know, they really make life wonderful and, and, and they've been, they've been so, so great to have during this. And I say all that, but you know, it has been lonely, you know, it, it, it's been different. And I'm hoping as, 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 as we keep going, the world starts to open up and, and I get to invite people over and, and make meals and get out and about and try other people's food too. So speaking of other people's food, it's time to try what Chris cooked, again, a mole, which usually goes over chicken, but he's vegan. So he mixed grits with masa or tortilla dough and made cakes he baked and put over the mole with an avocado lime crema mm. and pan-seared mushrooms. Oh, God. Yeah, no, it's, wow, it's amazing. So Salivating over here like Pavlov's right? dog. <laughs> I mean, it's almost lunchtime. Ah. Well, this is absolutely fabulous. Spicy. <laughs> fabulous. If you've ever um, doubted your ability to make spicy food for Mexican people. What? Yeah, I... I um, you win. You know, am I allowed to say gringo? Um, <laughs> it doesn't offend me. For, for people, if they tell me that the heat's not their thing, you know, I, I could certainly tone it down. Um, for you, I went all the, all the way because, you know, why not? I mean, it was hot. And here's the thing. There was so much left over that, like, I kept heating it up because it was delicious. And so I finally ate it three or four times. What I didn't realize is that every time you heat it, you're making a reduction out of it. So it got hotter and hotter and hotter. And I called him. I was like, dude, is this normal? And he was like, are you heating it? I'm like, well, yeah. It's like, are you adding apple juice or broth or something to it? I'm like, no, why would I? It's like, well, you're making a reduction, man. That's why it's spicier. It's going to keep getting spicier every time you <laughs> eat it. It was unbearable. I didn't know end. that. Hmm. Yeah, it was so hot. I bet it seemed delicious because like, I, you know, I kept eating. <laughs> you know, that, that's how we do. So I do have to say this carefully, but Chris made one of the best moles I have ever had. And I grew up in Mexico City with field trips to Puebla, which is like the mole capital of the world. What? And visits to Guerrero. Like, this is legit. It's, it's straight up one of the best. Top three. What a badge of honor. Prior to the pandemic, we get so caught up in our routines that we neglect those parts of ourselves that just need to learn a new hobby or just expand our knowledge of something. And I think having that time to kind of sit down and be at home forced some of us to like find something that just brings you pleasure. 
even if it can't make you money, if it even if you suck at it, like, like oh, yeah. I'm making this thing and it sucks, but it makes me happy in the process. I know for me, it was I always loved working out, but like it was something about 2020 and getting ready for that wedding when I was like, you couldn't tell me otherwise. Like I thought I was like a bodybuilder. Like I am about to be a YouTube fitness <laughs> influencer because I am committed. And now being eight months pregnant, it, I can't do the things I used to do. But it was such, you know, it gave me so much clarity. So it was nice to hear that in his time, he's he's able to connect with food and just make like a bomb mole that, you know, yeah. like that I is I tried. literally that our colleague was so stingy to not bring us because it was <laughs> it would have been bad, quote unquote. No, yeah. it just, you know, it's too spicy for you guys. That's all. I was just being considerate. Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> Okay. Wow. I heard your voice in that audio clip. Right. No, it was, dude, <laughs> it, legit. It was spicy the first time. Mm. Okay. Well. So. Okay. Well, I'm not trying to go into labor, but maybe when <laughs> I am, maybe when I'm closer to that point, I will, I will hit him up to try to get this thing out of me a little faster. <laughs> Did you pick up any hobbies, Scotty? In the beginning of the pandemic, one of my best friends, Donnie Foster, at the age of 34, he was living in New York City. He got COVID and he died very quickly. And this happened right in the beginning. So this really like, I was shell-shocked. I was scared. I wasn't understanding what was going on. And this was just a huge blow. And one of the things Donnie and I really liked to do was go across the state and hike. And we would go along, you know, different segments of the Ice Age Trail. and Ever since his death, every weekend I could, I would load up the car, get my backpack, bring my dog, and we would go to a different trail throughout the state every weekend. And part of it was just an honor and a reflection of my best friend, Donnie. And part of it was just like to escape and just to be outside and do what we call maybe like a forest bath and just sort of cleanse ourselves. So that actually, I did that a ton in the last year and a half. And your photography of it has been amazing. Patsy is the most photogenic She's, dog yeah, ever. Star of the show. And you make like really cool videos too. Have you picked up any new hobbies? You know, I think what I realized, I probably ate out like, I don't know, a dozen times a week, which during the pandemic was not only like a money saver, obviously, but it made me realize how much I was missing out on my kids. Mm. So now I'm always home for my kids. I'm there to have breakfast with them. I'm there to have lunch with them. I try to have snacks when I get a break, when I'm not in meetings and for sure dinner. Like I don't miss dinner if I can help it. And so that's been a big part of it. I think just being a better dad and that sounds to some extent self-serving. Not at all. But it's not so much that I am a better dad. It's that I decided I'm going to try to be a better dad. Mm. And that's beautiful. Yes. I, Thanks. I mean, it's really, it was a big kind of eye opener for me. It's just, just be more present at home. You've done a reduction sauce of you. You've been, uh, <laughs> oh my God. you've become more intense in your availability yeah. to their intimate family members. Oh, you got like all the poetic metaphors today. <laughs> and I think that's a theme that we've heard from uh, like numerous people. Like, you know, we, things have to slow down and you yeah. really evaluate what matters. And prior to the pandemic, life was just passing us by so fast that we didn't think about just the value of time. That really ties into next episode, because as I mentioned, there's going to be a personal element even for me in this series. And so next time we will hear from a high school teacher who decided to leave her career to homeschool her kids when the pandemic hit and is still at it. We will also hear from an Afghan journalist and women's rights activist 
from Kandahar, who recently settled here in Milwaukee. So tune in next week or next episode if you're listening in the future, because next time is the last formal episode in our first season of Speaking Of. We yeah. made it! Almost, almost, almost. We got one more. <laughs> but what I want to leave you with is kind of a parting thought from Damien Santamoro regarding his own takeaway from the research he's done on global mental health during the pandemic. So we're going to play that now and catch y'all next time. I'm Scotty Lee Myers. I'm Alexandria Mack. And I'm Mariano Avila. The takeaway message that I really want from this is the message that look at mental health. It's important, burdensome, focus on it, give it attention and do something about it. <laughs>